0: of what happens i have never and will never arrive i always have a mindset of becoming always striving to improve to get better now this doesn't mean we're not we're not going to celebrate it doesn't mean that we're not going to be happy or even content no we can do those things and we should do those things i mean it's life let's try to enjoy it but it also means like we're still striving to compound our efforts to get better regardless of any levels of excellence we achieve along the way. And because of this love of trying to become, the results will follow. Like Bill Walsh said, the score takes care of itself. I'm a big believer in that. When if you look at kind of the micro actions you take every day. The score seems to take care of itself. The outcomes seem to take care of itself. If we're intentional and consistent and show up with a mindset of trying to become every
1: day. Yo, Ryan Hartley here from always better than yesterday. Welcome to the interview sessions where I put my curious questions To inspiring people, I have one goal in mind for our time together to inspire you, to help you be better in some way in your heart and in your mind. These interview sessions are brought to you by our great friends at Web Creation. Head to webcreationgroup.com for stunning websites at sensible prices. If this is the first time, joining us here at Always Better Than Yesterday. We really believe that to create a world that is always better than yesterday for one person, one team, one community, one organisation at a time, it starts with leadership. We believe in creating the types of leaders who put their own needs to one side and serve others with love. Putting the needs of others first, serving sacrificing, doing more of what we love, and the legacy of that is leaving an impact where people, teams, communities, and organizations are left better as a result. Today on episode 124, I am joined by Ryan Hawke. Ryan's podcast, The Learning Leader Show, is the first podcast I ever listened to We are probably talking a good five years ago in my leadership development journey. I came across an episode with Ryan and uh, Patrick Lencioni. It was an incredible conversation and I've remained a listener of Ryan's podcast ever since. It's probably one of only three podcasts that I listen to. It is that good and it has helped me immeasurably. Ryan has written uh, a book called Welcome to Management and it's geared to those people just like me when I first came across the podcast, just transitioning from high performer into manager for the first time. It's full of practical tools, techniques, uh, tips, strategies for new leaders responsible for other human beings, and it will absolutely help you go from high performer to top leader. It's a fantastic conversation. Go check out Ryan's work and his podcast. He has interviewed some of my leadership heroes, John Gordon, Patrick Lencioni, Simon Sinek, Adam Grant. The list is endless. They're such incredible uh, names. You'll be familiar with uh, David Marquet from, from episode uh, 105. It's uh, an incredible conversation with uh, Ryan. Hope you enjoy. I'd love to know what inspires you. What one practical thing are you going to take from this next conversation? Uh, let us know uh, at ryanbhartley at gmail.com. Email us or screenshot your podcast and, and tag us both in. And we'd love to know and, and, and to cheer you on in that pursuit of being better every single day. That's enough from me. This is episode 124 with Ryan Hobb. Ryan, welcome to the Always Better Than Yesterday podcast. It's so good to have you, my friend. How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to to
0: properly connect again. I know you were on uh, one of my live shows and got to talk to to Len Shoney. So it's good to to have a one on one now.
1: That was really cool. I think that was in the early stages of like quarantine lockdown here in the UK. So that's a really cool thing that you put on. But I guess the synchronicity is that. I I came across your podcast um, I think it was one of the early times that you had Patrick on the first time um, and I've been a, a fan of your work since and I guess I just want to say thank you because I, um, I was in the police at that time I was in my early stages of welcome to management I had just you know been promoted and um, you know policing was very much rank and hierarchy and position and I became a parent at the same time and I was getting this sense that parenting and leadership they were one of the same but everything about my work environment was was showing me that rank was leadership or, or position or time in I just want to thank you for for what you've put out and the great minds that you have shared on your podcast and I guess you know what 405 episodes in and you're still showing up every week just hats off to you, my friend huge respect. I appreciate that. It means a lot, especially coming from a
0: guy like you. Uh, you know, when I started doing it, it was it was really f- to follow my own curiosity, and it still is. But the 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 added bonus, um, in addition to the relationships I've been able to forge with some of my guests, is is having talks like this with with mm-hmm. with you, and being able to impact high quality, high character, high caliber people who are trying to make a difference, Mm. trying to make an impact, trying to help other people. Um, If, if, if anything that I do helps that even a little bit,
1: man, that's a huge win. So I I appreciate you saying that it means a lot to me. That's amazing. So for the sake of it, I'll add it in the show notes, but it's the learning leader show with Ryan Hawke. And, you know, I, I think when you have these conversations, you can't not be better for them. You can't not, how are some of the ways in which you've been better in your own leadership through speaking with some of these people.
0: Yeah, you mentioned it's been over 400 uh, of them over the past six years. I would say um, I was like a lot of people when you're newer to, to leadership is um, maybe you see something in a movie or on TV. If you're not well read yet, like, like I wasn't, um, you think of the leadership as command and control. I have the title, I say it, you do it. I say it, you follow. More of the compliance style of leadership. And that's why one of the big lines that I've thought about uh, a lot when, and I wrote in, in my first book is, is compliance can be commanded, but commitment cannot. And I think the biggest shift that I've thought about through having so many conversations is the, the most effective leaders in the world understand how to build committed followers instead of compliant ones. Whereas you're compliant because someone may have a title. Um, I work for a boss and and maybe I, uh, earlier in my career, I didn't didn't necessarily align with them, but I had to comply because I didn't want to get fired. And there are a lot of, unfortunately, people and bosses in positions that think they're leaders because of their title and because their people comply. And my challenge to them is to hold up a mirror to themselves to really analyze and think, is my team compliant? or are they committed? And am I working on myself to be the type of leader that makes people want to voluntarily commit to our mission, to me, to what we're doing? And in order to do that, you have to do a ton of continuous work on yourself to, as you've talked about, to always work on getting better each day. Um, and being very intentional and deliberate about working on yourself to be the type of person that others choose to commit to, and I'm I'm trying to do the same thing because I'm lucky now to to meet with these incredible people and to be able to ask them whatever I want for an hour at a time, uh, long form, in depth conversations and and uh and and now that there's there's so many people listening i'm trying to do a couple of things one is is follow my own curiosity but two mm-hmm. to, to to help others who have shown an interest in it and think about what would they want to know mm-hmm. um and then pose the questions to hopefully get some of those answers out and it's it's my favorite thing to do man i tell you it's my my ultimate favorite thing to do outside of time with my family is have long-form conversations with a thoughtful person Mm -hmm. who's accomplished and, and more intelligent than me and i get to do it a lot so i i feel very grateful for that and and that's that's the fuel that's kind of the why behind why i show up and
1: try to be really
0: prepared and do it every day
1: it's interesting. You said the word prepared. I was going to touch on the fact that you said lucky. And I know that you put a lot of time and effort and preparation. I see the pictures of behind the scenes when you're writing notes all the time. What's your take on luck?
0: Um, so personally, I am much more luckier than most. Um, I was born into a, two incredible parents. I have two great brothers. I, I'm in the middle of them. Um, Uh, upper middle, middle middle-class because of how hard my mom and dad continue to work. Um, So I, I, part of, part of the motivation for me to work so hard is because of how lucky I am. Um, Because of the luck I was born into, because of what I've been given that I don't, I don't deserve any of it. Um, And so I try, I think, I think like, like Steve Prefontaine said to not give everything you have is to waste the gift. And mm. and that's how I view what I've been lucky enough to be given with incredible parents and and, and family and support and love. Mm. And not, I, I've not everybody gets that. And as you get older, and you kind of gain some perspective in life, you realize, in fact, that whoa, I, I I kind of started ahead of most people based on just my family situation and them being so loving and supportive and there for us um, that, That's not always the case. And to me, though, it was normal. So I didn't feel like I was lucky when I was younger. I'm like, this is just the way it is until you gain some perspective. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to luck, I I personally, like thinking of myself first, I'm personally extremely lucky. And my mission is to get every ounce out of what I've been given and give that to hopefully other people, utilize the luck to then make a difference, to make an impact, to help other people. I see my parents doing that. I see my brothers doing that. Mm -hmm. I want to do the same thing and so I, I think um, for those of us who are lucky it's I, I feel a responsibility to make the most of it.
1: Mm. You've been hosting the podcast now for about seven years. like so why did you choose podcast as the platform? Uh,
0: at the time so this is before there were a lot of them, but I was a listener so I listened to the ones like Joe Rogan, mm-hmm. um, some of the earlier ones that were out there. Um, Bill Simmons uh, for sports, Um, so those guys have been doing it for over a decade. And I also had developed, I think, some skill when it came to interviewing because of my job. I was in a mid-level management role and we were in a growing company. And I think I'd built kind of a reputation for myself as being a pretty good interviewer. So not only would I be interviewing candidates for my team, mm-hmm. I would get put on projects to help interview candidates for other teams in other parts of the business. So I was doing it, I, I had done tons of interviews. It's different, you know, interviewing for a job than it is interviewing on a podcast, but you do still need to follow your curiosity and think of useful questions and try to get to know people. So there are some similarities. So it's a combination of I was a listener, I developed some skill through getting a lot of repetition, um, I also had just finished my MBA and my company reimbursed uh, furthering our education. And so I felt like I was wasting money by not going back to school. So I actually started applying to get another graduate degree in some form of management or leadership. But at the same time, all of that was happening. I had a dinner set up with Todd Wagner and Todd Wagner is Mark Cuban's business partner. Todd's a less famous one of broadcast.com, both billionaires and I had a had a or became billionaires through selling that business to Yahoo. I had this this opportunity to meet with him one on one prior to the dinner and we and and I just peppered him with questions and just asked him so many things following what I was most curious about maybe annoyed him I don't know but he didn't he didn't show he was so grateful and kind and giving and as I was flying home from that the combination of that confluence of events of need to go back to school because I have to further my education, just finished my MBA. I've developed some skills as an interviewer. I just had this amazing conversation with this incredible leader who had, who had sustained excellence. What if I create my own form of a leadership PhD program where I get to choose all of my professors. Mm. I will have long form conversations with them. I will try to create a platform which will then hopefully enable me to talk to more people who are impressive and have led lives of excellence so that I could, I could get from all of them. And then maybe if I do a good job, I could share that publicly. I could share my leadership PhD program in public for free Mm -hmm. that everyone else could listen to and who knows who knows what could happen now I didn't envision this where I would leave my (laughs) corporate America job and do this full time but at the time I was committed to trying to be excellent at it to trying to do as good of a job as possible in order to follow my own curiosity and hopefully help other people along the way and fortunately you know a a lot of that a lot of that is,
1: is is happening as we speak yeah Yeah, your uh, chosen professors are some of the best thought leaders in the entire world. And um, I I often get asked, uh, how did I get Brian Hawke on my show? How did I get Dr. Gary Chapman, John Gordon, Captain David Marquet? And and my answer is always the same. I had to do episode one. I I had to do episode one. How much do you remember of episode one for you? So I had Jason Gaynard on. Um, He's the creator
0: of Mastermind Talks. Um, I remember it really well. I remember being extremely nervous. I had scripted basically every question. Um, I uh, I'm not sure how well I listened. Um, if you listen to that episode, it's rough. I haven't done I haven't listened to it in a while, but uh, people bring it up from time to time. <laughs> um, it, but but like a lot of things in life, I think, and I I love your answer there, Ryan. So it's 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 really useful for people there's, there's not many things you're going to go and do where the first time, or even the first 50 times you're that good at it. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't found one of those yet. Like I, I am born with some athletic ability, so I can go like learn pickleball and be decent at it pretty quickly because of my hand, eye coordinations, again, part of the luck. Mm -hmm. Um, but, but, I'm not, I'm not going to beat anybody who's, who's even pretty good at the game. And, and, and so the same thing with, with running a podcast, um, it just takes a lot of repetition and analysis of listening to yourself, thinking like, how could I have done that better, taking detailed notes and then really working on the craft, studying other great interviewers, um, figuring out better ways to approach somebody, um, uh, actually deeply listening because the best questions are always the follow-ups mm. the first ones are good and they get it started but it's really when you get the good volleying, volleying going back and forth where they say something that really piques your curiosity and it creates a question and and i, I ryan you probably get this too but one of the one of the I think one of my favorite emails to receive is when someone says you always seem to ask the question that i want you to ask in the moment i want you to ask it mm. and you don't have a and you don't and you're not afraid to do that as well i would say ryan the first 100 to maybe even 200 <laughs> episodes i was afraid a lot uh, like i didn't want to challenge anybody i oh i, I would I, I was just kind of agreeing with them all the time even if i didn't fully agree I, because I was just afraid to not insult my guests, or at least I thought that. Whereas I noticed that telling a guest what you actually believe and what you think, if it's a thought out, uh, thoughtful point of view and perspective I think a lot of guests like that they want to have banter they want to talk they want to they, they, they want to have discourse and so there's just there's so much to talk about from episode one to 400 but the main theme of that is you're probably not going to be very good but you got to get you got to get gone and you got to get the repetitions and to really think about how I can improve at this but I think part of it is you have to love that process of not being good initially and then seeing kind of incremental growth as you go
1: yeah i love that um some of my and before i get onto the book i'm definitely coming to that shortly but um some of my favorite episodes to reflect back on are when i've had my family on or, or some of my close friends and i've had my son on i know that you've had your your dad your brother your wife how do you reflect back on on those those episodes
0: I mean, they're some of my favorites. Um, it's weird. Some the, Sometimes you you put a microphone in, so, in front of somebody that you love and that you're very close to, and and all of a sudden you'll ask questions that you wouldn't ask if there wasn't a microphone there. And if you know you're going to publish it, maybe you feel like you can come at it from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. I, I I encourage it. I never know if people are going to like them. I mean, I like them, and and that's part of the equation that, I, that goes into it. But I, I think... Um, I've, I've recorded the, uh, on the hundreds, uh, with, mm. with my dad or my dad and my brother every time. And then with my wife, we recorded on our anniversary this year. Uh, there, they've, they seem to be uh, episodes that people like, uh, <laughs> I like it. I'll probably continue doing it, but I don't know. I, I
1: haven't had a child on yet. What's that like for you since you had a child on? Well, you, it's brave <laughs> because is that they say it as it is. And, you know, like with, with leadership and. So he was six when he came on first time. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so how was it? Um, It was great. Honestly, it was one of the most um, inspiring. I I think we can get all these thought leaders in the world, and sometimes there's a bit of depersonalization. Oh, that's great for them because they're, Tony Robbins, they're doing these things. Mm-hmm. When it, when it's a six year old dropping bombs about practice makes progress, you know, all of a sudden it's just like so much more relatable, so much more endearing. Yeah. And the amount of comments like it's tenfold compared to you know some of my my other guests. On the flip side of that, like being from a leadership perspective, you have gotta be brave because you know he sees all, you know, and and we we try and have a a, a clear sense of what it means to be a Hartley and in this house we're Hartleys and we help people but there are occasions when he's absolutely had to keep me accountable to not being better than yesterday or um not helping and uh and, and he'll say that on air <laughs> I love
0: it so I love it man fun. no Honestly, that's
1: awesome yeah I love that what does it mean to be a hawk? Um...
0: You know, what's really cool is that my, my dad's dad, my grandpa, um, Dean Hawk, who is, is, is he's the most selfless person I've ever met. Mm -hmm. Um, he, 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 I think modeled what it means to, uh, be there for other people, uh, his own family first and foremost, uh, had a daughter, my aunt with special needs, for 40 years and he gave everything to her. She, his life kind of revolved around taking care of her. My grandma got sick towards the end for years and he was the same way with her. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and I, and my dad is the same way as him. And so, and and my mom is too now through that, I think through their their loving relationship. So to me, the first thing I think of is being humble and being caring for others. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, he didn't even tell us, like my grandpa has never sat us down and told us that. He showed us mm-hmm. instead of telling he showed us and he continues to show us to this day. And my dad's the same way. And so I think about with with our kids the same, same way, like, yes, we're gonna talk about what we're trying to do to help other people. But more importantly, we actually have to do it. We have to model the type of relationship, the love between my wife and I that we show deliberately in front of them, even if it's awkward or weird, they make fun of us. We love that. We show how we try to take care of our neighbors, literally like neighbors in our neighborhood. How we take care of them, especially if they need something. We should, we 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 do our best to help teammates on on sports teams. We, do, we I think what it's really all about, and that I learned from from my grandpa first and foremost, is just how to take care of other people, to think of them first, to to be kind and giving. Um, that's that's the first thing. When it, if you say, "What does it mean to be a hawk?" That's the first thing, and I think of, and it's because of them. And now I'm just trying my best to live up to that. And certainly we're not there yet, but, but, but we're certainly trying really hard to be.
1: Mm. That's really powerful. Thank you for sharing that. And, and I'd love just to touch on, on the book now, because I think what you just touched on there is that leadership is, is very much a verb. It's, it's the doing and, you know, you host the learning leader show and you threw me by the title of the book. I didn't see this one coming. Um, And in the early uh, chapters, you talk about coming into a team leader position at 27. So You and I have that in common. We both became team leaders at 27. And there's a story that you share and it follows it up both. Welcome to management. Can you share that story? (laughs) So I get promoted because, so I was, I worked in
0: sales, a telephonic sales professional role, low base salary, really high upside though, if you do well, Um, which was a great job. First job, because I didn't know what I wanted to do when I got done playing football. Um, did well for a few years. And because of that, it, it, it provided me the opportunity to interview for, to manage a team of my own. However, the skills that I developed to be good at the job of being an individual contributor, almost none of those had anything to do with the, 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 the now job that I had earned as being a, a manager of a team. And within the first week um, so I'm, I'm young, relatively young on the role. Most people on the team are older than me. Um, and there was someone in their mid forties and um, she, she walks up to my, I'm in my new office thinking I'm like the King here, you know, I got an expensive chair, I got a windows. And yeah. I'm, I'm like, put my feet up even when I'm, when I'm in a private moment thinking like, wow, I've kind of made it, yeah. which obviously is just so <laughs> stupid. But anyway, I'm doing that. And uh, she comes up to the, to my door and, I look out the door and, and uh, she, she kind of pauses and her lips are kind of pursed and then she starts crying and walks in and shuts the door and says, Ryan, my husband cheated on me and he wants a divorce. Mm. And uh, obviously I'm thinking, why are you telling me this? Like we were, we were peers uh, a week earlier. I mean, I was on, cause I, I managed the same team that I was on. Mm. So I got elevated to everyone. I was a peer, I was now their boss. And I didn't, I didn't really have conversations with my boss like that. I just, I kind of tried to show up, Mm. crush the number, and I didn't really share a lot with him. So but what I what I realized in that moment was just because I was one way doesn't mean that that's the way everyone should be or has to be or is. In fact, Mm. each of the people on my team had different styles and personalities and ways that I needed to, to, to learn about them and care about them to understand that. And I realized in this moment, I don't know what I'm doing. I I, I had what am I going to say? I have no idea. I never I've never experienced that, you know. She had kids, and 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 it's this is real life stuff, and I realized she just needed somebody to listen. She needed someone to kind of vent to a little bit. I tried to be there for her. I don't think I offered her any type of advice. Uh, if I did, I'm sure it was terrible. Mm-hmm. But it was but it was really just uh, uh, f- realizing. I don't know what i got myself into and i did call my dad i'm like have you ever had this he's like unfortunately yes if you manage long enough you will have situations like this and he's like Hi, what did you say i'm like i don't even remember what I, I don't think i really said much he's like yeah at times you know you got to be a good listener and show that you truly care and you're there for her and make sure you follow up and do the you know, he was kind of coached me along but it the moment was and he's like welcome to management you know the moment is that there are so many aspects of doing jobs. If you, if you haven't had the role yet, it's easy to criticize the leader. It's easy to criticize the manager. It's easy to criticize the CEO when you're in the cheap seats, right? Do you think of the, the Roosevelt man in the arena quote? and I, that's why i urge people to 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 hold off judgment on the people maybe way above you in the organization until you have some sort of idea of what it is they're going through it's just like in life seek first to understand before being understood it's a really a good maxim to live by because you don't really know what your manager or what the ceo is going through and i didn't realize that was part of the job i thought she's crazy. Like, what is she doing? And then I realized this is not crazy. It was, In fact, it was more normal that people came into my office and shared stuff like that than like how I treated my boss, where I didn't really tell him much. I just kind of said, hey, what's the goal? I'm going to go crush it. Most people aren't like that. In fact, most people want to share with their boss for a variety of reasons. And I just was not prepared. I mean, my previous leadership experience was as a quarterback playing football. Mm. We didn't really, none of that. Mm. I, I had no experience with a, with a mid forties uh, woman whose husband cheated on her, who wanted to divorce. I, I mean, I've never experienced anything like that, but that's real life. And that's that, that, that happens uh, if you're if you're in a management role and you have people reporting to you and you do it long enough, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna unfortunately go through a situation like that. And so the purpose of the book was to try to help people who are who were in my spot, the 27-year-old first-time manager who got promoted, to try to help them be better prepared for that moment than I was when I'm stumbling <laughs> over myself and just trying to not screw it up.
1: I love that. And and I and I love the book that it's so practical as well i love the the way that it's written and and um i I think you've you've nailed it you know for leadership is about service and sacrifice and and if we're going to do that we have to be able to manage the fight flight freeze kind of scenario of oh you know how do i deal with this i've never dealt with this before and i think that's where the spotlight in leading yourself kind of comes from and 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 you've interviewed james clear a, a number of times and he talks about you know, the stacking of habits, what would you say was like the number one habit that served you best in terms of leading yourself? Myself? um, For me,
0: uh, I am, I'm pretty routine and ritual oriented. This probably stems from earlier in my life. um, With my sport sports background, you know, uh, that was my top priority. And so for, for me now, it's, Something as simple as laying out the clothes the night before and I'm going to wake up uh, really early to physically push myself because that helps me mentally prepare for a day where I want the hardest thing that I'm going to do to be the first thing that I'm going to do. And so mm. I push myself beyond what I think I'm capable of and, and usually in some physical realm, uh, lifting weights, running, working out. And that is that's kind of the keystone habit for the day to the foundation to get it started, right? And this is a seven day a week thing for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of, I might have like a mental issue in the fact that I have to do this, but I do I have met other people like this, where they have to get up and start their days this way. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, for me, one of the big habits and, and, and everything kind of stacks off of that, because I've pushed myself physically, I've pushed myself mentally, and now I'm going to go try to write a book, or I'm going to try to prepare for a podcast, or deliver a keynote speech, or be a guest on a good podcast where I want to want, want to provide value. Like all of that follows that initial foundational exercise, if you will, um, and then secondarily, it's really important to take care of yourself. It's really important, uh, both physically and mentally. Um, to do that. And if you let yourself go, which is easy to do as you age, because it's harder to wake up, it's harder to do the exercise. If you let yourself go, I think a lot of bad things can happen both, both physically and mentally. And so for me, it's like, just don't let it ever get to that point. Like do everything, at least within my power and with the luck that's been bestowed upon me to, to, to take advantage of, of a healthy body and make the most of that as well. And that then leads to basically everything else that I do. So for me, it starts the night before, very early morning, push myself really hard physically, which then also impacts me mentally. And then the rest, it's like, okay, here we go. And, uh, and that's just, that's just a part of what I've started doing many years ago and and continue to do to this day and did this morning. In fact, yeah, Mm,
1: I love that. I've got Hundreds and hundreds of questions that I could ask you, but I want to be super respectful of your time. We are in lockdown here in the UK, lockdown 3.0, as it's so affectionately referred to. How, what's, what is the, I'm curious, what is the lockdown because
0: People use now quarantine as like just a general. They're not really quarantining. They're just they they just say that word, but they still go places and do yeah. things. So like, how what is the lockdown situation there compared to here?
1: Government mandate
0: is you must stay at home
1: if you can. Wow! Work from, if you if you can work from home, you must stay at home and you can. So go you guys out. like are not leaving your house we can go out once a day for exercise and we can go out for for a basic for essentials so you can do your shopping and the like so yeah no house mixing no socials bars and restaurants are closed it's uh, yeah and if you can work from home remotely you must and uh, how
0: are people responding to that because in the states i feel like there has been a initially i feel like we did it and yeah. now like look at <laughs> look at tom brady celebrating the super bowl on on all the everyone in florida i mean and it's not just Florida. There are other places in the States too. I mean, now it's, I mean, people go out to eat, they're partying, they're doing like, it's not like that. So how, how and you got to think people are just tired of it now. You, yeah. you know what I mean? How was it there?
1: Yeah. Nail on the head. I think lockdown one was novel. It was new. It was, we were embracing the, yeah. the novelty of it. The weather was good. People were getting in touch with baking and all these cool things and reading and art. You get to lockdown three, and it's winter, it's dark. People are weary. they they're sick of it now. They thought it would be, you know, we talk about um, aim past the target. We need that right now in, in England because, you know, people got to Christmas and we thought we we'd be, would be done by. And yet we're still here in January and February. Everyone's looking at the back of 2020 going, oh, thank the Lord that's gone. And and not nothing's changed because it's 2021. But mentally, people weren't ready for it. And, yeah. and, that, and that's where we are. So it's tough.
0: So it's tough. I mean, I, I think this is, this is really impacting people's mental health as well as obviously the physical aspects of mm. a pandemic. It's, it's, it's brutal. So huh?
1: how are you doing personally? And how's your family through it all? It's a really good question. It is. It's tough. I have a lockdown look, so my my listeners won't be able to see the the long hair growing. But um, you know, we've got two kids, eight and eight and five. We're not teachers, you know, and, and oh. it's very it is very different when they're your own kids as well. Like uh, the yeah. it's just big emotions. But um, yeah, you know, we I think um, my wife and I we had um we had some troubles and challenges in two thousand and nineteen, which I'm glad they happened then because throughout lockdown, we'd have killed each other. Otherwise, mm-hmm. we, you know, we formed a really strong team, healthy, healthy mm-hmm. conflict and, um, you know, real trust. And that wasn't always present and, and grateful for those challenges, because I don't know how people are, uh, if they haven't got that foundation of good communication at home, that's um, a real challenge. Well,
0: yeah, I, I, I find throughout a time of, of kind of where you're forced to be together, you're going to learn a lot. And is it going to be, and I think people are coming together or, or unfortunately pulling apart. Um, and uh, I, that, that, that's been one of the neat things about this and I'm trying to be positive is just the forced, family time um when we had wild schedules with sports mainly um because you're you're having to divide and conquer and even get help from other parents to to get kids to where they need to go and Mm. and so when that's been that's that hasn't happened as much although that's happening a little bit more now where we are playing some sports for kids um but that that like forced time i feel like We've gotten a lot closer through that, um, even though there have been moments where you, it's it's evident this is kind of getting on everyone's mm-hmm. last nerve, but for the most part, it's been really positive, yeah. uh, at least with the, the closeness of it, despite a few of those days where it's understandable, uh, a kid or somebody loses
1: their mind temporarily or me, you know, which I've certainly done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? absolutely. And, um, you know, I, I, just, so when I came on your show, um, Patrick shared some top tips for leaders leading remotely. And one thing he said was be exceedingly human. Mm-hmm. It was something I really took to heart and, um, what would be some of your, you know, top tips, top number one tip, practical tip for leaders who are having to navigate and lead remotely?
0: Yeah, I mean, this is this is probably going to go on for a long time, even afterwards, because I think kind of the work from anywhere mentality is going to become more normal, Mm. um, where people prove they can produce from anywhere, um, it will continue to happen. And from like a a business perspective, uh, they could save cost of not having as much office space and random places all over the world. Um, I, I think being overly communicative is important as a leader, making sure your team knows where you are, where you stand, what you believe, what you think. This is why I focus so much on my show and off of it of of encouraging leaders to really work on their communication spil, uh, communication skill, most notably their written communication. Mm. Um, I think the most impactful leaders understand how to get up and give a good five minute, 10 minute, 20 minute talk, they know how to compose a really impactful two or three paragraph email, um, or slack or whatever they use, they have have they they're continuously working on mastering their communication skill. And so for any leader listening or, or anyone who wants to lead a team, my dad told me this really earlier in my career. He's like, if you develop the ability to effectively communicate a vision, a message, uh, an email, a speech, mm-hmm. you, you'll you see rewards beyond what you even deserve. The people who get up and, and give that talk or write that note, And and impact people through their communication skill, that will write your ticket for you. So I would encourage leaders, really think about that note you're sending, really think about how you approach the Zoom meeting. I mean, buy a microphone, get a light, get a decent camera, like show your team that you respect them enough to sound and look good and that your message is concise and clear mm-hmm. and they have a, a, a complete understanding of your care for them as well as their role in accomplishing the mission. Mm-hmm. And uh, to me, it always baffles my mind if I see someone who hasn't figured this out yet. It's not really that hard. And if this is the only way that we can communicate for the time being, or it might be the primary way we do, especially if people are going to move and do things like Mm. that, which is happening now in the States a lot, Mm. you better get good at it. Mm. There's no like excuse not to get good at this. Uh, It's not that hard. Uh, so really think about the small details and how you communicate with your team and, and work to be excellent at it. If you're going to do it, you might as well do it. Right. I say that about everything. Like if you're going to write a book, if you're gonna do a podcast, if you're going to talk to your team, mm. then be excellent at it, do everything within your power to be excellent at that. And, and really think that through before just wandering on to the next zoom meeting or, or clicking forward on some random
1: corporate email. Like, no, like really think that through before doing that. I love that. I love the intentionality. I love the call to action and, and, you know, like all great leaders, leaders create leaders and you, my friend are are creating world-class leaders. And I, I thank you for the way that you show up and the way that you encourage leaders to be better because that's how we create a world that is better than yesterday. And I'd just be curious to know what that phrase always better than yesterday means to you. Well, You've, you've uh, followed
0: some of my work, so you know that I am um, a big fan of the mm-hmm. phrase that I learned from J.J. Reddick, which is um, never arrived, always becoming, mm-hmm. and I think that's synonymous with, with your show and with what it's all about, is having a mindset of, regardless of what happens, um, I have never and will never arrive, I always have a mindset of becoming, I'm always striving to improve, to get better. Now, this doesn't mean we're not going to celebrate. It doesn't mean that we're not going to be happy or even content. No, we can do those things and we should do those things. I mean, it's life. Let's try to enjoy it. But it also means like we're, we're still striving to compound our efforts to get better, regardless of any levels of excellence we achieve along the way. And because of this love, of trying to become, the results will follow. Like Bill Walsh said, the score takes care of itself. I'm a big believer in that. When If you look at kind of the micro actions you take every day, the score seems to take care of itself. The outcomes seem to take care of of itself if we're intentional and consistent and show up with a mindset of trying to become every day. That then all just happens. And I love that aspect of it. When someone said like, how did you get so and so? Or how did you do that? Or how did you, <laughs> you accomplish that? Well, it, it's usually not like a clear cut answer, because it's a series of behaviors and thought process and intentionality behind how you mm-hmm. behaved for the last five years or 10 years. And that led to moment a moment b moment c that's that happens to like from the outside like wow i mean Mm -hmm. steve martin's one of the best examples ever i mean i know how is how how well known he is worldwide but you know this guy's a stand-up comedian and a movie Mm -hmm. star and banjo player he did gigs for 10 years sometimes for groups for crowds as small as one person in an Mm -hmm. open mic night in a bar 10 years and then he's selling out arenas with 25,000 people and people say, wow, this guy came from nowhere. (laughs) Not true. He consistently (laughs) showed up day after day after day and put in the work. And then the result took care of itself. So Mm. that's what it means to me. I know that was
1: long-winded, but I love the question. Love, love what your show stands for, man. Thank you, my friend. And, um, you know, just urge my listeners to go and check out is a reason why Forbes called it the best leadership book of 2020. Welcome to management. It's uh, an incredible book. I'll add it in the show notes. And uh, I just want to thank you for everything that you put out in the world to help leaders be better. I think, you know, uh, when leaders get better, teams get better, companies get better, communities and families get better as well. So thank you for everything that you're doing. i will just be honored if you could leave us a final thought from your good self.
0: Uh, I I appreciate what you're doing. I, I I guess my thought would be, what have you found to be some of the commonalities among the people you've talked to on your show that have led them to be
1: better tomorrow than they than they are today? Mm, that's a really good question. Do you know what? Sometimes it's the way that they see adversity. You know, there's so many people get to where they are not because they haven't faced adversity but because the way they choose to see it uh, and, I, and i think those that choose to see it as an enabler and as an empowerer they go on with you know purpose passion conviction belief and a story with which to communicate uh, that will unite and connect other people to similar pains so I, I think it's the way that they choose to see adversity
0: love it love it man to view it as an opportunity for growth right to push your edges of your zone of of comfort and competency i love it man so good appreciate
1: the question my friend and i hope you have a, a great rest of your week thanks man i appreciate it ryan thanks for having me there we go episode 124 with ryan hawk host of the learning leader show and author of Welcome to Management. Thank you for making it to the end of the podcast. Really appreciate you. Thank you for taking the time out of your day. I'd love to know what is resonating with you. What will you take away? I absolutely love everything that Ryan represents, everything he stands for. And um, I just encourage you to pursue excellence. Don't do things half-assed. Get out there, be committed, be devoted, be disciplined and keep showing up in the pursuit of being better every single day if this is the first time you've spent time with us here at Always Better Than Yesterday come and join us in the Facebook community uh, our worldwide community we are Always Better Than Yesterday on Facebook we simply ask that you come as you are and hopefully leave a little bit better we appreciate you hopefully you'll join us again next time always love